The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Mortgage CS. Become a Mortgage CS Ricky VIP by going to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Briggs Auction, the official auction of the process at briggsauction.com and stateside Urban Craft Octa, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe. Sign up for that newsletter at rightstrickysanchez.com slash newsletter. On the show today, we find out what the Sixers have been doing over the last two months, hiring assistant coaches. That's right. The team announces Nick Nurse's staff and there are a lot of them. Also, I guess Philip Petrosev had like an okay game in the FIBA thing or something. Okay game. Yeah, okay game. If you're watching on YouTube or you're not watching on YouTube, please subscribe on YouTube. We are about 375 subscribers away from 12,000. If we don't get to 12,000 by the time the regular season starts, CJ is going to get it. Stateside, Urban Kraut Vodka. It was like 100 degrees today. You know what goes well? 100 degrees, as long as you don't have to go to work or anything. Surfside, iced tea and vodka. It's sweeping the nation, Surfside Iced Tea and Vodka. All the flavors are the regular. I prefer the regular, number one. But there is the peach tea and vodka. There's the iced tea, lemonade, and vodka. Then just the lemonade and vodka. That and the vodka sodas. There's more flavors there. Just the best. The best of the best. The right amount of sweetness. Only a little bit of sugar. Only 100 calories. Go to statesidevodka.com. You got to be 21. The Bark in the Park team to... To benefit the Providence Animal Center, Bark in the Park is their annual 5K. You don't have to run in the 5K. You don't even have to walk. You just have to show up, be part of our team. We want to raise $15,000. We've raised $3,500 so far. Goal is 100 team members. We're up to 21. The event is October 21st at Rose Tree Park. And if you sign up on our team and raise at least 50 bucks, you get the cool Rebel Tribe Called Quest uh, honoring shirt. So... The link for that is right in the description of this pod. And a super sad note, we wanted to send our love um, and our prayers to Hugh Douglas, um, currently the midday host at WIP, but of course a great eagle and a guy who I've known for a long time, very gregarious, very great guy. His son, Hugh, who is was 20 years old, died in a car accident yesterday. Hugh was a student at Morehouse University and was in the car with his friend and roommate, Christian. And it was a terrible accident. And at 20 years old, Hugh's son, Hugh, is no longer with us. Uh, as if we don't need enough of them, but another, as if we don't get enough of them, another reminder about how short life is and how close to hold your loved ones, friends, family, and, uh, and, and everyone around you. So love to Hugh, love to Hugh's family. God bless. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. We will write y'all.
Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who has a poster memorializing Philip Petrusev's performance at FIBA in which he had six rebounds. That is one Mike Levin. Huge. How you feeling? I just love I just love centers that are like a C to C plus at everything. Yep. He can like play a little bit of defense. Mm-hmm. He can have a little bit of touch from the mid-range. He can shoot if he's wide open and no one's around. Mm-hmm. He can rebound a little mm-hmm. and he can pass a little. Mm-hmm. And you just, as an NBA player, <laughs> you're looking for, you know, p- the it's five tools right there, Mike. Well, the, I think that like everyone's <laughs> looking for like, what's your elite skill? Me? Yep. I'm looking for none. Yep. Give me no elite skills. Okay at everything. Give me okay at everything. Give me just like blend in, mm-hmm. almost don't be there at all. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking for. Yep. And luckily we have that, Philip Petrosev. You know what else we've got, Mike? If they traded him for like literally anything, I would be so happy. And it's <laughs> it's become like obviously since Trez got hurt, it's really Petrosev has really become like the the subject of my ire. And he's yeah. he really is like such a fine nothing player. And on a team that hasn't had such traumatic moments with backup centers, maybe they'd be like, Oh yeah, we got this young guy, he's fine. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? I care. Well, I care. This is the same thing that happened when we were throwing like a tantrum over the Dwight Howard thing. And Daryl was like, or I think it was the Dwight Howard thing saying, what do you guys care about this for so much? Just the backup center. It's like, well, cause you keep doing this. <laughs> you keep doing this. Not the, not the yeah. impression. Well, well, what do you want? It's, I can't do his, it's like a little vocal fry, a little Valley girl. It's, I don't hear either of those things. I hear yeah. more like he's like kind of looking off in the other direction as he's talking to you. He does do that. <laughs> he does. Not do that, that he's doing it. His voice sounds, sounds like, like he's that. doing it. Yeah. He sounds like there's a, I think his name is John from San Diego. We have a caller named John from San Diego who sounds just like Daryl, actually. Look, Daryl's our best friend. We call yep. him Daryl because we are, <laughs> you know, That's obviously right. incredibly close with him. We're actually going to the beach together yep. pretty soon. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that. Yeah. You know what else I'm excited about? Big news. We're doing the roster again. No, even better. Okay. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, a group that needs no introduction. Nick Nurse's assistant coaches. Wow. A coaching staff of, that's right, 15 people. Huge. 15 assistant coaches. You may be saying there's only 15 players. There's actually there's 18. Every- there's 18 players. Oh, okay. With two ways. Well, 17 if you don't. No one's working out, Trez. Okay. There's a coach for each player. I think a couple of these we already knew about. I don't know. Brian Gates, Bobby Jackson. Bobby Jackson we knew about, right? Uh, Yeah, Bobby's been... He's, he coached the Summer League team. Whoa. Rico Hines, who has a yeah. summer league or a, a league named after him. Mm-hmm. Matt Braze, Kobe Carl. Kobe Carl, we know. Coach Mike the, Longabardi. Coach the Blue Coats, Kobe Carl, son of George Carl, obviously. Uh, Mike Longabardi, some clown named Mike Longabardi. Close. <laughs> Doug West. Why do I know Doug West's name? Is the former player? Uh, yeah, He's on from the yeah. Yeah. Same He's guy. 50, 56 years old from Altoona. There you go. 
They the Inquirer announced it a couple months ago. I missed it. Sixers hiring Villanova great Doug West for Nick Nurse's staff. Keith Pompey. I missed it. I didn't have my alarm set. I think uh, CJ probably wants me to stop this music because we're banned in Russia for it. <laughs> Copyright claim in Russia. John Corbaccio. I like the name, but I don't know him. Speaking of liking the names, the assistant coach in charge of player development, Fabulous Flournoy. Yeah, that's a great who, name, obviously. Do you know who that is? I don't know who that is. Yeah, he was on... Um, was he on Wichita State? Why am I... Am I, am I missing... Uh, no, McNeese State. Uh, okay. He's been around a long time, though. Uh, he was Raptors assistant coach. TJ DeLeo. That's yeah. right. Tony DeLeo. I'm pretty DeLeo's upset about kid. this, actually. <laughs> this is actually bumming me out. <laughs> Tony DeLeo's son, former Sixers coach slash kind of GM... <laughs> and uh, and former Temple player TJ DeLeo, Jason Love, Terrell Harris. Jason Love was a good was a good player at Xavier, and he's from uh, I think he went to Abington Friends. I was worried that Terrell Harris was Tobias Harris's brother, but it is not. It's not. Yeah. I believe they I believe they spelled it wrong. Oh really? Is it the Terrell Harris that went that played basketball at Oklahoma State? Yeah, I think he's like thirty six or something. Thirty six. Yeah. Yeah. He was good. He was good at Oklahoma State. I was he was one of my guys at Oklahoma State back in. Uh, Back in the the late the early twenty yeah the late two thousands because he went to he played a little bit in Miami in the in the league Reggie Redding and Kareem love, love Reggie Redding and Kareem Thar and Tor, Torrey Murray great I mentioned Torrey Murray I think okay Didn't. well Reggie Redding obviously played at Virginia and was a, a St Joe's prep guy uh, sorry Virginia Villanova of course um, he was nasty there some great teams some great Great Nova teams. Reggie Redding is the consummate college role player. I loved him. Um, Torrey Murray played played a little bit for the Knicks, and uh, and he played at Wichita State. That's why I got confused. Mike, there is no reason. Now, I'm sure every team is like this now. There is no reason to have 15 coaches on the team. I, 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 well, it's interesting. It seems like more than football like, teams have. Some of them are like video coordinator it's like player development guys. Like, and, and I really do think like each guy gets one or two players that they work with primarily in the same way that like on reality shows, every, produ- every cast member has like a producer that primarily works with them. They've acquired two players and 15 coaches. That's good. <laughs> that's good. To me, that's good. Well, I guess if they were a college, they would be able to boast their student to teacher ratio <laughs> as just totally elite one to one. with that? Yeah, incredible. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So that's it. I don't have any takes on that, really, honestly. Um, um, right. It's always any- it's it's always interesting when like you know, Dwayne Jones is with the Sixers forever, and now new staff comes in and he's gone. A lot of those kinds of things that happen. <laughs> is he playing golf with Doc Rivers or something? I hope he better. Yeah, Doc owes him. <laughs> what are we doing? That's that with the assistant coaches. <laughs> So we got that. <laughs> See, Anybody and else? you're like, well, you should talk about the Sixers. Well, we do. I got, a, more? I got a, I got a trade machine situation right here. I was wondering, okay, what the worst to avoid. Okay, so here's the situation, James Harden. Okay. We are bearing down on a reality where he has to show up or not for media day. He, he's showing up. Okay. Yeah. 
That's my. I'm not saying thing. he's. I'm not saying he is or isn't. But yeah, we're but, getting to that becoming. His yeah. decision will have to be made. Yeah, five weeks or so away. I would guess. No Four less. Weeks. Really? When does camp start? End of September. Oh well, there we September go. Three 5th. weeks. Wow. Um, we're very close. Okay. That's why we could look at the roster this month. Um. The. I thought I said this. Maybe I'm wrong. CJ, when's 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 media day? Um, he doesn't know. Kidding. The couldn't even put the coach image up on the thing without it looking the, giant. The i the idea of Harden holding this team hostage, yeah, and having to deal with the conversation. How unwilling are you, Sixers Adam, who's watching live, texted me October second. Okay, so we're less than a month away from media day. Sixers okay. Adam beats CJ. Yeah, not even producing the show, beat his ass. And you think he could survive in a fucking wilderness for 90 months by himself. Don't worry. Anyway, Abby, we'll get to it. Anyway. Yeah. Harden. Like, obviously, we are all dreading and like sort of disgustingly in a in a really gross way excited to like, how bad could it get? How what what is going to happen for the Sixers? You're at least curious of what of what it's going to look like. But to avoid the drama and the bullshit and the having to discuss, like, could Harden play and stuff, what is the worst Clippers trade that you are willing to make to avoid that reality? Because, like, there's a standoff, right? Yes. Like, the Clippers made an offer, the Sixers don't think it's good enough, and they've stopped discussions about it. There hasn't been the other list of teams that I've been sort of clamoring for yeah. waiting for Hardner's agent to release the idea of other teams he would play for hasn't happened. If it's just the Clippers to avoid going into media day into preseason into the beginning of the season and having to deal with that, what is the worst Clippers trade you would accept now? Here is trying to if you if you want to win, not not like you'll trade him for like you know yeah, yeah. Jerry West's corpse or something. No, I've decided that they should not trade him unless Maury gets what he wants. Yeah. So whatever he has, I would rather not trade him at all than trade him for anything less than. They have to get at least one unprotected first round pick. Yeah. That, that I I'm sorry. I, I took me a while to actually answer you. I'm sorry. I was thinking no. about it. I didn't know no, you were asking me the question. I think as long as or they lightly, are not or lightly protected, you know, that kind yes. Of as long as they get at least one first round pick and no contracts that are going to like no bad contracts or anything. Yeah. Then I think I'm fine with it. But they should get at least one first round pick. Yeah. So it's interesting. You know, I find it very interesting that Daryl, and I wonder how it's being received by like agents and other players and stuff, is being so forthright with everybody. Like on on or off the record, people talking about it and people him talking about everything. Of like, like when you talk about it, when you're having like meals with him. Yeah. You when he comes, when, when we're laying next to each other in bed <laughs> and just sort of talking about like our life <laughs> and how, what it's going to be, uh, he, he's very clear. And, you know, Zach Lowe had a podcast today out where he basically said the same thing of like, we want cap space so we can be the only team that's good that has cap space next offseason. And hoping that like somebody's going to shake loose and somebody's going to want it there. 
And like Zach mentioned, Donovan Mitchell, not, not resigning, not wanting to resign with Cleveland or may, maybe not wanting to resign with Cleveland. And that being a possibility, like someone's going to shake loose. And Daryl is out there vocally saying like, we're, you're coming, come home. I'm, I'm waiting for you. Whoever it is, I'm waiting for you. I think I find that to be interesting. And, and it, just as a strategy, um, that Daryl would want to like put that out there, not just leak it to agents or whatever, but put it out there. So it's like a common knowledge thing that people can speculate about and maybe get to some players that decide, Oh, I do want to be the, you know, the in between between Maxi and Embiid next off season. So I find that interesting. So that's why I think like what you said about no bad contracts, I think it'll have to be all expiring contracts unless it's somebody that is one of those guys. I think it'll be expiring contracts and picks is the most likely version of it. And what I'm guessing is that the Clippers are in one place with the expiring contracts and probably no good picks. And, and Daryl and, and Elton are probably like, we need more than that. And so the interesting thing to me is Terrence Mann has been brought up as the, like the Clippers aren't parting with them. And I just don't really think that that's no, no. the issue. No, I think the Sixers would be not. fine fine with Terrence Mann staying in LA if if the Clippers threw in Pick. two first round picks. Yeah. Instead of one or just a a couple trades. So and then so so if it's not Terrence Mann, then it becomes like what's the Norm Powell situation? And I'm texting with Sixers Adam about this of like, say the Sixers don't want Norm Powell, and I don't know if they do or if they don't, but he does have three years on his contract. Um, and the Sixers are very clear, and it's like a reasonable contract. It's eighteen million, um, each year, give or take. And I don't. The, he cuts into the like Sixers have all the cap space to sign whoever amount of money that they can do, and so then it becomes like, okay, who's going to send? If the Clippers are only willing to offer one pick, and and who's and uh, the Sixers don't want Norm Powell because of how much money it is, and like who's going to send a pick? and an expiring contract to, to take to take Norm Powell. Yeah. And so the deal that I'm looking at right now, and I can send it to CJ. Wait, hang on. Can we pause it for a second? Yeah, we can pause it. Let me okay. send it because he, he needs a second anyway. Well, anytime, I t- anytime I send something to CJ, he's like, you got to send it on Twitter. You can't. I don't yeah, know because it's the thing. The I'm looking at it right now. I know he's nodding and smirking. Let me check. Uh, is he nodding and smirking? Yeah. Yeah, he is nodding and smirking. The he's right all, to the Rice Ricky Sanchez is brought to you by Mortgage CS. Hey, thank you to Mortgage CS for supporting the Rights to Ricky Sanchez Bark in the Park team. I saw a huge donation come through. I was like, look at those motherfuckers supporting us again. Thank you. Mortgage CS, you know, it it's cool that so many of our sponsors are local, and Mortgage CS is one of those. Mortgage CS is a local independent mortgage broker who has helped so many of our listeners get a mortgage, has taught them how the mortgage process works, has treated them with respect and diligence and kindness. That is Mortgage CS. You see, they are a mortgage broker, not a lender. So the difference, which they will teach you about, the difference is they don't give you the money. They go to the banks and find you the money. And the important thing about them being independent is a lot of times mortgage brokers have deals with uh, with different lenders, which could mean that they are leading you in a direction that benefits them, maybe doesn't benefit you as much. Mortgage CS is not like that. They're always available for you. Morning, noon, night, weekend, doesn't matter. Ben, the CEO, this is his cell phone number, 267-391-7425. Someone in the chat, text Ben 
Ask him how he's doing. Put the answer in the chat. 267-391-7425. That's Ben. They're always there. They're always there for you. I, I want you to go to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky as well. If you don't want to text anybody, you don't want to call anybody. Go to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. See the amazing little site they've set up for our, for our listeners. Um, I am uh, proud that they are a sponsor and I am happy and confident to send you there. If you need a mortgage, if you uh, have questions about a mortgage, you don't even need one. You have questions, just reach out to Mortgage CS. I'm confident they'll take care of you. Call or text Ben at 267-391-7425. Visit mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. This advertisement is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may apply. Company NMLS 1464766. Visit mortgagecs.com slash Ricky for more information. All right, here's this trade. Here we go. So it's three-teamer. Oh, geez. Where Gary Harris finally comes home. I was thinking about it for Markel, but I think maybe Orlando would want to keep Markel. They think like him. So the the guy they like to leave, they get to upgrade from Gary Harris, who is an expiring contract on $13 million, to a three years, uh, $18 million per for Norm Powell. And they send a pick that's like top 10 protected and a, a future second for their, for their trouble. And then the Clippers get hardened for Batum, Covington, Powell, who's rerouted to, to, the Orlando, to Orlando, and then one pick and a second. So the Sixers come out with this expiring contracts and then two lightly protected picks in the future in two seconds. What do you think about this? Well, that would be, I think, I mean, two ones and two twos. That seems like a huge win, right? I, f I feel that way. Yeah. I mean, the I Sixers think, are obviously trading away, like hands down the best player in this deal. Yeah, but he doesn't want to be here. We don't want him here. So no, for sure, of course. Yeah. And that's what other teams I think are preying on. And that's why no one's made an offer yet. It's so I don't know that this trade happens uh, now, no, but if the Clippers start off the season and Kawhi or Paul George gets quickly hurt or the Magic feel like we can rally and and be better, like the Magic... I was thinking Mar Markel is really interesting to me. I would really love it to be Markel. I, I'm assuming that Orlando would be more willing to send along a pick with Gary Harris or pick or two. Um, but Markel would be a really nice addition to this team. And then the Magic, and Norm Powell is just a really like solid player. Gary Harris has has tailed off for, for quite a while, but he'd be a fine bench guard wing type for this for this team. And it becomes Maxi Melton, Tobias, PJ, and Bede with Beverly... Gary, Batum, Covington, B-Ball as your I as have your to roster. say. While not the, that good, but no. it's not that bad. And it's the, picks, bad. The, the picks then become the, hey, we can we can use these picks now, or we can use them in the in the in this offseason to acquire the nameless cap space man that they plan to acquire. Seems like a 47, 46 win team to me. Right? Uh yeah. Right? Yes. Pretty watchable and would be fun to see what happens with Maxi. A big question here is why Covington fell so far out of the rotation. It's been a while since I've watched Robert Covington regularly. Obviously, mm -hmm. would love to have him back. I know you think you would love to have Fultz back. I think it is funny. I don't think I can do it. I don't yep. think I can do it. He has. I've watched him quite a bit in Orlando. And well, Fultz I've watched. He He's, now knows yeah. what he can do and what he can't. Yeah. And can't I come think back to Philly. That's what he can't maybe not, do. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe <laughs> not. Covington is interesting because he really is like he used to be able to guard a little bit up and down the the uh, you know positional spectrum, 
and now he's mostly like fours and fives. Um, but I think him playing along with B-Ball, backing up, you know, Tucker and Embiid, I think would be totally fine. And I, I also just like the idea of giving Joel his friend back. Like, isn't that nice? Was he friends with Covington? I don't oh, remember yeah. that. Okay. Yes. Friends remember. with Covington. And I think, and I'm, I'm, this is based on nothing, but because they both speak French, maybe he'd like Batum. Wouldn't that be kind? <laughs> just anything, anything good. But wow. I think the idea of this is obviously it, it allows them, you know, I think, I think the ship has sailed in some sense of the Sixers trading Harden for someone this season that will give the Sixers a better chance at winning a championship in, in like the sense that Daryl thinks, you know, no, no Pascal Siakam trade. You finally given up on that one, huh? I, maybe not. Maybe yeah. Pascal will be one. I'm interested in that, but like, I, I don't know what it's going to take. And it's going to have to be some combination of other teams getting either injured or start having a really slow start. And then their ownership going like, well, what the fuck? Why am I paying all this money for them? But it's just such a weird idea that Harden is the guy that they like pivot to. Yeah. He's very, but he's very available. Yeah, well, um, he could be had. And you were mentioning that Zach Lowe podcast. So yep. it pops up in my feed. Seems like it's been hundred years since the Zach Lowe podcast yep. or anything that I've He's talking listened. about the same fucking shit. Yeah. So it's sort of put in perspective to me. What's it like if the Ricky wasn't trying to be funny at all? Because <laughs> it pops up into my feed and the first thing is Harden. It's Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks talking about Harden. And it was just like 26 minutes straight of the most emotionally devastating position about basketball you could ever like it was just and it was take all the fun out of it and this isn't a, an insult to zach that's not that's what they were trying to do they were talking about the situation but listening to other people talk about the sixers i'll never do it again i'll never do it again it was too devastating it was emotionally devastating to me yeah. i don't like other listening to other people talk about the sixers it is true well, Zach was like, can you believe all the stuff that's happened over the last 10 years? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he named like a bunch that was like, he forgot a bunch and didn't, and named like the wrong ones. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know. Yeah. So, um, writes Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. This comes from Kevin. Hi, Spike and Mike. How do you guys feel about the Trey Turner standing ovation being followed by him playing the best he's played all season by far and his home run? His home run streak. Fucking rocks. Do you think it had any effect or is this just him regressing to his mean? I think it's certainly in some way regressing to his mean. He's a really good player and he's been good for a very long time. He was a really yeah. good player before he got to the Phillies. You know? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, he was incredible in the World Baseball Classic. Like He's just, he's just like a f- true five-tool type of player that's still in his prime. And... uh Baseball's a fucking weird sport, dude. Like, if he believes that it made a difference, then it made a difference. Like, if that's the confidence he needed to, like, relax at the plate or feel like he's supported and, like, start just gripping the bat less tightly. Like, it's everything makes such a difference and it's such a weird, you know, some of it is just he was he he was swinging at bad pitches and not hit, not getting great wood on the ball. But, like his abilities didn't disappear um, like some uh, other Philadelphia athletes we have had on the team. There was, I, I never believed when they, when Cassianos on the team last, his first year, last year, 
I never believed in him being like, oh, he's going to be a great player again. I just, he just has such a bad approach at the plate. He's just swinging at the same shit and missing on by a foot and a half on sliders low and away. And Trey Turner, like he was swinging at bad stuff, but it felt like he was just like holding on too tight and, and really trying to like end the, end his cold streak in one swing. Um, and I always believe that he would be that he would be good because he really is a very good player. And now he's only I'm not watching the game right now, but he's only nine points behind uh, Nick for the season OPS. Like he's going to finish with a better OPS than Nick, which is crazy because he had such a bad stretch for the first three, four months of the season. The so I think it, if he believes it, it mattered, then then it absolutely did. And it's yeah, great and good it, for the fans. To me, stuff. it's it's sort of like when I take Advil for a headache. I actually don't think it's actually working. I think I just think that it's working and that's why that's why it works. Look, I, I agree with you. Baseball is this weird sport too where it's so hard to tell what is going on in terms of like why somebody's hitting or why somebody's not hitting. And the season is so long and there's so many at-bats. Um, and the difference between, you know, it's sort of like a three point shooter. The difference between shooting 35% and 40% is fewer threes than you would think. Yeah. So look, it fucking, it worked. I don't know what to tell you. It worked. the, the, The difference with the three pointer situation is like, it's how they're covered. Like it, how, how close a defender has to be to a, to a shooter depends on how much people buy into how real it is versus you know you obviously there's there's changes in how players are pitched to if they're hitting the ball harder in certain zones or whatever but like there's the iconic uh kevin costner line in bull durham where he says like the difference between hitting like 250 and 300 is like one hit a week one like ground ball with eyes getting through yeah which is a great a great speech and really indicative of, of just like the randomness and the beauty of baseball but uh but threes yes like matisse when he's taking like 83s in a month it's like two two makes yeah is the difference between your your horrible versus your great look it worked congratulations jack fritz every phillies fan who thought it might work and the great thing about it is even if they they should never try it again because that way it can never be proven not to work it just this is the one let it be amazing moment Philadelphia, all-time Philadelphia moment. Uh, I did, I obviously, like, if you think it was going to work, I also think that's insane, <laughs> but it did, it worked. Um, non-basketball question, is watching Twitch the same as being cucked? You're watching someone do something that you think about doing, presumably better than you can, and getting more enjoyment out of it than you are doing yourself. Well, that would be almost everything that you watch, though. <laughs> it's watching movies, it's watching sports, all of them everybody's better than all that stuff in me so is pj tucker cucking me right now because i <laughs> i could be standing in the corner catch and shoot speaking of hey. trey turner uh 833 lick face hey gentlemen i'm just listening to the portion of your podcast right now that talks about bringing back ben simmons and i really think that ben simmons just saw how philadelphia treated trey turner when he was in his decline this past baseball season or this current baseball season rather and I do believe that um, first of all please keep Ben Simmons as far away from Philadelphia as possible that's just my opinion however 
I think he's in his feelings seeing how everything transpired with Trey Turner, the standing ovation, and no pun intended, but the swing back into baseball for Trey. So I want to know what you guys think about that. Um, and love the pod. Have a great rest of your day. I don't think it's impossible that he saw it and was like, maybe they're nice now. <laughs> I don't think it was primary. And no. if he is primary, and if he is listening to this, then it's not the same thing. Trey Turner didn't blame all of the fans <laughs> for, for his, for wanting to never said he wanted to leave, never blamed the best player on the team, never blamed everybody, anybody different situation, Ben, if you happen to be listening. So, yeah, I don't think. Yeah. I, I think he just said something. I think some yeah. people, guys, some yeah. people just say shit. Yeah. And then they don't really think about it. And then idiots like us are like, what's it mean? And it's like, he truly was just saying shit. Gave us a couple podcasts. The rights to Ricky Sanchez. And I should just say, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We can go back to that. I don't think that they should trade for Ben Simmons. Let me just say <laughs> that, that I don't think that that should happen. Wow. I, I really was just trying to fuck with Spike. Yeah. Uh, and the hypothetical of him being the player he was four or five years ago is appealing, but you obviously can't count on that being the case after what we've seen over the last two years. Well, and the shows how dangerous what you were doing was because a bunch of people are like, yeah, you know what? He's right. He's got a point there. <laughs> it's like lunatics. I can make an argument. The rights to Ricky Sanchez is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Feels like we've gotten a lot of forwards from L.L. recently with engagement stories. Have you been noticing that lately? We've been getting it's, a lot of L.L.s. People like getting engaged in the summer months. It's two-year anniversary from when I proposed to Alyssa, which was on uh, ah. over uh, over Labor Day, immediately after the How I Met Your Mother fantasy football draft. And as, as romantic as it gets. What number were you? Do you remember? What oh, L.L. Pavorsky number? You know, I don't remember. Oh, that's, Jesus. That's a real that's a real indictment on me. Yeah. LL, 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 let me know. Let me know what number I am. And let us know what number we're up to. Look, well over 330 right Ricky Sanchez listeners have purchased engagement rings from LL Pavorsky Jewelers, the very first sponsor of the Right Ricky Sanchez podcast. I don't know if I ever told you where I met LL, but we knew Jake, of course, young Jake. And early in the... I guess this was Ricky days. I guess it was. I did some Sixers watch party at Big Charlie's, the Chiefs bar in South Philly. And you had to be 21 to get in there. And Jake was like 14. And they let Jake in there with LL. And LL sitting in this in this like corner bar in South Philly, dressed to the nines. Beautiful. Planning out his future. Look, if you're going to buy an engagement ring, you have to go to LL, the first sponsor of the Ricky. He will treat you fucking amazing no pressure no stress great jewelry great person great customer service doesn't matter if you're spending a hundred thousand dollars on engagement ring or a thousand dollars on engagement ring he's going to treat he might treat the hundred thousand person a little bit better but the thousand person is getting great service as well if you want to buy an engagement ring you have to make an appointment because he wants to be able to give you the attention you deserve send him an email lee at llpavorsky.com call him 215-627-2252. You can do it at the store at 707 Walnut, or you can do it all virtually. If you're not in the area, that's fine as well. Or if you don't want to go into the store, doesn't matter. You can tweet at him at LL Pavorsky and a supporter of the 2023 Providence Animal Center Bark in the Park team for rights to Ricky Sanchez and Mama T's Community Fridge, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. A supporter of underage drinking. 
for his oh, son. Yeah, I was like, what is that? Son. He wasn't drinking, I don't think. Uh, Aiding and abetting. Writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. This comes from Eric. As painful, and this email came a while ago, but still, uh, still pertinent or prescient or whatever it is now. As painful as the Mikel Bridges saga is for us, it's worth yeah. noting that Hinky would have 100% taken Michael Porter Jr., who sucks. Porter was going to be the top pick before his injury, and everyone said he had Kevin Durant potential. Drafting him at 12 is a hinky pick all the way. So even if we had gotten what we wanted, we still wouldn't have gotten what we wanted, which is the sixer way. I don't agree uh, yeah. with the premise. I don't disagree with the idea that Hinky would have considered Michael Porter Jr., but... Who was number one on my big board, by the way. Uh, his back was so fucked up. Yeah. And he really, at no level, proved that he was willing to do what it like took to not be like the number one guy on a team. And it, it worked out in Denver that like Mike, I mean, whether it's credit to him, credit to Michael Malone, that he really has blend, like committed himself for the most part of being a, a good role player there. Catch and shoot guy attacks the glass, still a bad defender, um, but is good enough. And they surround and they did a good job of, you know, between Calvin Booth and uh, what's his name who left for Minnesota um, did a good job of surrounding him with players that make him make sense. And Jokic just obviously opens up his uh, good shooting and everything. So I think if MPJ was a number one option somewhere, I don't think he would be successful at all. But Sam-wise, I do think that we really only got to see the, the, the tanking years. And I don't think it is right to assume forever that he always would have taken the highest upside player regardless of the risk or the highest upside asset of, of like yeah. who's falling or something like that. At, at all times, I think there would have been a pivot to guys that could help now. And obviously, Mikhail Bridges, who I, I think I had him I'm very high on my board because I, I really did love, love him and did think he'd be a better, uh, had more like individual game than just a, blend in three and D type. Um, obviously he does. Obviously he is a better player than just the sort of like, Oh, he was a junior came out after at, at Nova and like, there's not much upside there. Obviously that was, that was wrong. So hopefully, uh, Hinky would have seen that that was the case. And Zaire had a ton of upside. Obviously that was not realized. By the way, it's fair to mention if the Sixers had Michael Porter jr, they would be better than they are today. He's a great shooter. He's a good sure. player. You know, sure. like, I know you don't like him, but he has, it, it, oh, absolutely. when, you know, in his place, he's a, a great player or a, no, good, a I, really good player. I, I don't think it's a, it's something I have to fight the idea that Michael Porter Jr. is right now better than Zaire Smith. I think that that's, <laughs> I can admit that. I'm fine admitting that. I Eight. think situationally things happened that I wish hadn't happened. Uh, I would rather have Mikhail Bridges than Michael Porter Jr. still, obviously by quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 833 Lickface is the voicemail number. Hi, this is Julia from Phoenixville. First time caller, long time listener. I just wanted to stand in support with uh, Weekly Becky. I think that one of the, you know, only regular callers who's a woman, I think anyone who calls her anything but good things is sexist. And basketball question if Ricky Council ends up being good, will he become a legend of the process? I think yes. 
Well, your second question first. Yes, obviously, if somebody named a, a two-way player named Ricky Council becomes yeah. a good player, yeah, we'll we'll name everything after him for sure. And I As love a, I love the solidarity among our female listeners. Hell yeah. I appreciate the solidarity. And as a weekly Becky supporter and My, and myself included, even if I don't agree with her all the time. Yeah. And and weekly Becky, I, I also have to say, has said that she is a spike guy many times, which I appreciate. She's but wrong about that, obviously. One of the things totally, I agree with her, disagree yeah. with her the most on. Of course. I think Weekly Becky, it would be sexist not to hold up Weekly Becky to the same standard as everyone else. She's like the only caller who has a regular spot, you know, with with that, with being lifted up on that pedestal comes people, you know, coming for the crown. So I don't think it's sexist. I think we, I, I can't determine the, uh, the motivation of anybody. I did mention somebody in the extended Ricky universe is not a weekly Becky fan. I do not think that person is sexist. That person might even be a female as well. So we don't know, but I do appreciate the solidarity around the, the weekly Becky controversy. This comes from Tim writes Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Hi, Spike, Mike and CJ. Last episode, there was a lot of talk about Embiid versus Jokic versus Giannis and what Embiid's limitations are. What role do you think Embiid training with Drew Hanlon's impact on, is, is on this? There are obvious concerns with the coaches Embiid has had in the past without a vision and a system, et cetera. But what percentage would you give to Hanlon and the habits Embiid has only worked on in in all of his off seasons and bead clearly needs to be a, a better passer. And I wonder if he's going to improve in that department. If all he does with Hanlon is practice only a key moves or only Kobe moves I'm from Australia. And I don't really understand the context of NBA off seasons, but how do players have the environments to do that? Is it with their trainers interested? Do you think you hear it matters interested to hear if you think it matters at all? Yeah. I mean, I it's think it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's hard. It's, it's an unknowable question of like what the percentage of whatever but the fact that Embiid has gotten so much better over the five six years whatever that he's been working with Drew um the fact that uh Drew Hanlon hasn't unblocked me on Twitter which Mm -hmm. is fine uh hasn't impacted Embiid at all which I wonder how much they're talking about me when they are training uh I think everybody has it's a it's a combination of like the head coach talking to the player to talk to the trainer. I think there's a there's a what do you what do you want, you know, the best relationships are the ones where it's like I know you need your own guys. I know that you feel like you have the freedom and want to have the freedom to pick your own trainers who you work with whatever. And if that's done like in conjunction with the team, like being read in and, and being understood of like what they're looking for and what, uh, Hey, we're going to play, we're going to play Embiid at the low block a lot this year. We're not going to have him at the nail as much, whatever, whatever it ends up being. Then it's like, okay, then we're going to work on that stuff so that he's capable of doing it. My hope is that there's that comment. There's that conversation happening with Embiid's people, Drew, Nick nurse, et cetera, Daryl, like, so that they, but I, what my hope is, these trainers that are not affiliated with the team, my hope is that there's a level of honesty that they give to the players, especially a, a guy that is like as as big as Hanlon at this point, going like, here's what I saw, here's what you need to do, here's what we can get improve at. Whereas like a team, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but like it seems like a coach has a harder time these days being like fully honest with his star players 
Um, whereas like in the off season, you the I think the player generally seems to like appreciate that level of honesty. That would be my my read on the situation based on what I've heard and read over the years. I think without just going back to Drew Hanlon specifically, Zach Levine, Drew Hanlon guy, right? Um, Tatum, Drew Hanlon guy. Yeah, Mobamba, Drew Hanlon guy. Yeah, a lot of bucket getters, I guess. But Embiid is a bucket getter. I do wonder. I would love to see the skills thing. Drew Han, Drew Hanlon, come on the pod and talk about Embiid's process. I'm inviting you on the pod. I was just kidding. I knew you weren't getting a hand job on the sideline of the court that one time. Oh, right. We know that Markel Fultz was not your fault. Yeah, I'm certainly willing to say that it probably wasn't his fault. Yeah, just come on. Come on. Uh, 833-LICKFACE is the voicemail. Number. But I would Good love night. to know. I would DJ. love to know specifically what, like, are they watching tape of the Celtics series last year? And the Raptors series the years before that, and obviously Nick Nurse, I'm sure, is talking with Embiid about this. Of like, I don't think so. Look at what, look at what they're doing. How do we counter this exact thing? They have to be. Mm. They have to be. They don't have to be. They if otherwise, what's the point? Like, what are we doing it for? What is the point of getting better? Well, how are you getting defeated in the playoffs each year? How are your numbers so low in the playoffs each year? And obviously a pro Joel person would blame some amount of that on other players on the team, doc rivers, et cetera, et cetera. But like, what can we do about it has to be the, the like marching orders of going to work with Drew Hanlon at all. Otherwise just like he should just stay home and play with his kid. Like he has to be honestly confronting this issue, Joel. And hopefully between Drew and like Nick nurse being like a unbiased, you know, third party from every year up until now being like, well, here's what I did and you should get better at this shit. Like I, I, that has to be happening. It can't just be like, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. There was nothing I should change or get better at, uh, going in from, from what happened in, in last year's playoffs and, and several other playoffs before it just, it has to be, we got two voicemails on each side of the Embiid fence. Eight, three, three lick face is the number. Like Mike, CJ. Um, and liar. Uh, this is Chris. I don't know how anybody can defend Joel. Like, I get he's our favorite player. Uh, he quit. He's a quitter. He, he quit. He quit on the team. He quit. How can you defend him? Don't defend him. Not now. Give it some time, maybe, but he quit. He's not better than Yanni. He's not better than anybody. He's not better than me. Quit. And then. I like he's not better than anybody. That's that's the that's the energy that I yeah, have fun. lost since Mother's Day. Yep. Um, but every once in a while I need to hear it. Yep. And then I was, there was I was really there. I was really there for for, you were. for at least a few weeks. And then we got this one. This is Noah, uh, second time caller, long time listener. Question for you. How much of the Sixers ecosystem around Joel do you think contributes to the discourse of him failing in the playoffs. Obviously, he's struggled with injuries. He's struggled with, especially this year, not showing up with the inevitability that you would hope out of a superstar, hope for out of a superstar, I should say. But I feel like you look at Jokic, 
with the Nuggets and Giannis with the Bucks and these guys who have been MVP caliber players in the last five to ten years who have, you know, gotten to the top of the the proverbial mountaintop and they just have such better, you know, support systems around there, them with in terms of coaches, teams built to their play to their strengths. And then where would you put the Sixers team around and be you know, comparatively to teams a lot over the last 20 years, like Mike always talks about the 01 Sixers being a terrible, maybe the worst finals team ever. Is the 01 Sixers team relative then the same quality of the Sixers now with in terms of support players and things of, of that nature around what was AI? Just thought about it. And uh, I think that Jokic's surrounding support system uh, allows him a, a far better opportunity to play to the level that he he does. Thank you. Sorry, I just can't buy it. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. All, all of those things, all of those things are relevant. And if he wasn't supposed to be, if he wasn't the MVP and runner-up MVP two years in a row, if he was like a third best player on a team. Then, like you can think about Clay Thompson, right? If Clay Thompson didn't wind up on on the Warriors, it's entirely possible Clay Thompson could have had like a pretty meaningless NBA career. Yeah, but that is because he's like the third best player on that team, or whatever. Steph Curry, though he may not have won all these titles, if he was on any other team, still likely Steph Curry. Yeah. So. I, th- I think the thing is, is that all of those things matter, but they still do not excuse his, his failures. <laughs> like, I just, I don't think they do, you know? And I think he is at least a, a portion of the reason that the infrastructure around him has been, has been imperfect, you know? So he absolutely is uh, a part of it. And, you know, he does not get to go like, I've had no help. Um, and I wish he was more like Jalen Hurts in the way that he talks about his teammates and everybody and holds himself accountable and maybe the difference in how hard those guys actually work or how much they actually hold themselves and their teammates to account is not that far off, but it seems like it is. Yeah. It seems like Jalen Hurts, like really means it and it seems like Embiid is like yeah yeah it's my fault but like I'm also fucking amazing and like yeah. those guys are kind of not so good right <laughs> um and I wish that it was a little bit different there it's obviously somewhat different because football is such a different sport and positionally and all that um but yeah I mean I don't think it's I think Embiid's supporting cast is and every year Embiid's supporting cast has been better than Iverson's supporting cast and I don't think it's close. That Iverson team that went to the finals, if you take Iverson off of it, they would have maybe won 30 games. They were a horrendous team, especially offensively. Obviously, defensively, they had a number of guys, whether it was Ratliff or when they Matumbo and George Lynch and Eric Snow and Aaron McKee, et cetera. But like, even though they had that, that team, then a couple years later, if my memory serves, like had a pretty good run in the regular season without Iverson for like a month or so, it wasn't real. That's not real. Those, those teams were so 
bad. They were just truly so, so horrendous. And maybe, maybe it's, you look back and every team at that point was horrendous and, play, and teams are just better now because players are better now. Um, and that was really just like the, the dead zone of basketball for a long time was the early two thousands. But man, man, that Iverson supporting cast was, was atrocious and, and Iverson just had to do everything himself. And he did. I mean, it's fair to mention, though, that on some level, that team was constructed to play with Allen Iverson because of how he wanted to play. But it wasn't constructed to play with Iverson in a way that goes like, all right, let's spread the floor. Like the idea of like having shooters to give It was a different time. Not, it was a different time, but yeah. they didn't think of it. They didn't think the idea of like Al- Iverson could use some some help and some space to do some of the stuff that he does. Instead, they were like, let's just get a bunch of guys who like don't even like to shoot. Don't even want to touch the ball. And then it was just like, it, it shockingly worked that one season uh, and never, never again uh, because it wasn't a sound strategy overall. The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Briggs Auction. Four generation. Family owned and operated auction house in Delaware County with my, I have to say my favorite website. I, I'm disappointed when I go to the Briggs auction site on a Friday and there's not a new auction. Now there's one going now. Now the auctions are everything from estate auctions to the discovery auctions, which are really just everything for art, collectibles, uh, vehicles, furniture you're not going to find anywhere else, vintage clothing. Now right now, it's their third patio sale. It's a patio auction. Now you might be saying it's the end of the summer. Why would I get patio stuff now? Exactly. That's when you shop for the patio stuff. When everybody else is getting the winter stuff, you get the summer stuff. There's all kinds of stuff that you might want on your patio there. There's, there's patio furniture. There's storage. There's actually some bikes in there as well. There's decoration, all that kind of stuff. I'm just telling you what you want to do is go to BriggsAuction.com, B-R-I-G-G-S Auction.com, or download the app, the Briggs Auction app in Google Play or the App Store. Check in once a week. And... Maybe you're like me. I'm addicted to online auctions. I fucking love them. And Briggs gives me shit to bid on, cool shit to bid on every single week. Again, BriggsAuction.com. And if you're looking to downsize, you have a bunch of stuff. Maybe you have an estate with a bunch of stuff in it you'd like to auction. None other than Briggs. You only get to go to Briggs. Info at BriggsAuction.com. Send an email. Briggs Auction, auction the official auction of the process. Um, 833 Lickface. Oh, Spike Mike, this is Fred Bagel. Happy Labor Day weekend. I don't know if y'all are aware, this rapper Video Dave just released a song with Open Mike Eagle, and the punchline of one of the rhymes is overweight like the great James Harden. Ooh, some second place, I guess. You drop the beat out and everything, and your 2024 Sixers getting shouted out in contemporary rap music. Yo, question, what's your favorite basketball player or basketball-related reference in a rap song? And then my non-basketball-related question is, if you had to do karaoke to a rap song, what would it be? Yo, I appreciate you guys. Next year's the year, second round of the bus. Let's go. Peace, Fred Bagel. <laughs> Did he say his name is Fred Bagel? Uh, I doubt it, but I like it. Um, Favorite basketball rap lyric i think they are almost all across the board about jordan <laughs> well i was gonna say pretty pretty lame like it's oh, just a, think? i think it because they're all they're so quickly dated yeah yeah it's yeah. so quickly dated um 
like there's like the there's worst one, word yeah. reference in any is like when like uh Kanye referenced Kings of Leon in a song and you're just like this is what a terrible idea. Uh one of many. But I like because I like this player, I really like uh the combination of player and song. I really like uh Nick Van Exel being in Crazy in Love. Uh I think is is great. I think it is tremendous stuff. So that, that's one of my favorites for sure. I'd probably have to think of more. As as far as dated, it's funny. The one that pops into my head the first is uh, there's a song called When Will They Shoot by Ice Cube that's on The Predator. Uh, and it's a Jordan one. And he goes, some, something like Jordan, I'm going, co- like, I'm going coast to coast with a motherfucking monster dunk. Get off me, punk. Which is, sounds dated, a monster dunk. Uh, the Beastie Boys on some song in Ill Communication says something about John Starks. I think it was like, I got heart like John Starks. Um, Sad one is good. If I had to do a rap song at karaoke, I would choose Tupac's I Get Around. Um, that would be my my one to do. Do you have one? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. There was also, there was a Latrell Sprewell lyric in a, a Noriega song that I can't remember that I won't Google afterwards. But yes, most of them, and every one that I think of is mostly about Jordan actually at least the ones from the rap that i listened to in the 90s and early 2000s so um okay so we have two calls about the island mike great now for anyone listening we had several calls from the island for anyone listening there was a poll in sixers adams um sixers uh state of the sixers poll about which writes to ricky sanchez team member would be able to last 90 months on an island with simply a hammer and their clothes. Yeah, and I really would now like to, and I can't pitch this because I am on strike, but Lost reboot with just the staff of the rights to Ricky Sanchez, I think would be interesting <laughs> to see who would survive now. Play yeah, that out. Uh, speaking of shows, and I, I checked out a Lost, I think the beginning of the second season or something. I'm watching a show with my wife called From. Have you heard that show? It's pretty good. I've heard of it. I don't know anything about it. It's a little horror-y, um, Lost, and it has the guy from Oz, who I think was in Lost as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty good show. Pretty good show. Anyway, um, so CJ came in first in the vote. Mike came in last. We got a couple of calls. on Last, here. well, let's be specific again. Dead last. Not, well, not last in who would finish first. Not right. last in would die first. Yes. Those are separate situations glad that glad to clear it up yeah. some people made it made it clear so they would have voted me second yeah that's why we need ranked choice voting me and friggin andrew yang, uh, andrew yang <laughs> out, out, out on the town looking for it oh boy 833 lick face so here's one what's call. up boys matt from mountain joy here cj hope you weren't too tired the day after our show didn't realize we were inconveniencing you with our performance the band and i have an intermission ritual or we all take a shit in the same toilet without flushing. It was my turn to go first. Sorry it took so long, you untrustworthy hologram. Mike, stop being so hard on yourself about this island thing. We all know Sixers Adam is the least likely to survive, bud. He's going to blow through his glucose stores, and his body isn't going to have any fat to process his new backup. He'll inevitably succumb to starvation after he actually finds himself in a place where cantaloupe is hard to find. He's going to spend three to four days trying to get a coconut out of the tree, only to realize it's not a cantaloupe. And he doesn't want it. Non-basketball question. Would you rather you have peanut butter on your face 
all the time. And anytime somebody points it out, you have to go, ah, looks like we'll be needing some jelly. And then just move on with the conversation and nothing happens. Or 50-50 shit in your bed. Every night you go to bed, you have to flick off the lights and slide into your bed. Half the time there's a bunch of wet shit in there. Half the time there isn't. Thanks, boys. Fuck you, CJ. I don't think that that was Matt from Mount Joy. <laughs> I don't think so. He was on the podcast, and I don't remember that being his voice. Now, how could anyone pick the shit bed? Well, I could because I obviously have, as listeners would know, a, death, a deathly allergic to peanuts situation. So peanut butter on my face would kill me. So uh, I would pick the shit option. I will say that, I think right. I might have mentioned this on podcasts before, but strangely, at some point, every like once, once every like three or four months for, this year, for years now, we'll like go to clean the sheets and mm-hmm. like under the sheets will just be like, on my side of the bed, this is not a menstrual situation. Wait a minute. It's not on Alyssa's side of the bed. I, there will be blood. Oh. Random, like, flecks of blood that I had unknowingly bled out of some, whether it's a cut on my wrist or people have suggested it's coming out my butt. That's not been the case. I'm never pooping blood ever. Thank you, Body Bio, ever. Uh-huh. But, like... It's just very bizarre to it. So obviously, a couple of flecks of blood is not shitting in your bed. Uh, yeah, but why is it happening day. so often? It's it's not so often, but it's a, it's definitely like two or three times a year. Where I'll be like, "What the fuck happened?" I mean, I mean, it might just be like I'm scratching myself in the middle of the night, and then blood comes out, and you're just like, "What the fuck?" But uh, Alyssa doesn't love it because there's like, yeah. you know, some blood on the mattress for no real reason at all. Yikes! Yeah. Here's the here's the Abby call. Huge fan. Uh, Wait a minute. I'm just realizing this is a really long call. I'm I'm I might cut this off at any time. I can't believe it's so I think long. I think use <laughs> discretion there. Okay. Fan of the rookie since the team WAP days, if we can go back to those. Yes. I just want to be clear. I think everyone in the Ricky universe is maybe misinterpreting or, or misunderstanding this island survival question. I think what the Ricky universe interpreted this question as was who's the most fit who's most athletic. And that's how they kind of ended up with CJ, just out of like understanding he's the youngest. What the questions generally ask me is who's the most resourceful, giving them a hammer in an island. And just think about back to your school days, what teacher was the most resourceful throughout your kind of spectrum of teachers? It was always the art teacher. It was the art teacher that could take old used paper towel rolls and toilet paper rolls and basically create a Mother's Day gift. I don't know how you would think giving an artist a whole island of resources and a hammer couldn't at least turn into a bunch of knickknacks and awesome gadgets that would help them survive for a period of time much longer than someone that doesn't really understand what an intermission is for a concert. So I'm just confused how Abby finished so far below others in this whole survival contest. If you think about what artists have done to Fishtown, to Williamsburg, and to Echo Park, I just don't know how you can come to the conclusion that if you didn't, if you dropped Abby off in an island with a hammer and gave her 90 months, uh, within 60 of them, the island with bountiful resources would turn into a place with at least one artisanal coffee shop, 
at least a Wegmans or a Whole Foods, some Bikram yogurt, and probably real estate prices that the Kasabis would have a hard time uh, getting close to the Ricky universe into. I just, I, again, I'm bewildered. All right. <laughs> He's cracking himself up. I understand the idea that artists are resourceful, but you have to ask yourself, when Abby does the Ricky art on an iPad and for some reason loses power and cannot find any way to get that image to me from the iPad, is this person that resourceful? And I think the answer is no. How can Bikram Yoga and a coffee shop sustain itself on an <laughs> island when there's no one else to buy coffee or take the yoga classes? That to me is confusing. But I, I hear the resourcefulness and I am bad at art. So that would not make me prime for that and would definitely be lacking compared to Abby there. So who do you think has a better chance of surviving, you or Abby? Uh, I got... Well, I'd use the hammer to hit something, mm -hmm. primarily. I would hit some... Uh, a fish? Ultimately harmless, or not that... Not a bear or something like that, but some animal that I could take with a hammer. Mm -hmm. And then I'd rub some sticks together... And I'd start, I'd start, I'd start going. I'd start going. Um, You'd be veg. You're veg. You'd have a tough time. Me? Um, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I guess. Well, oh, so wait a minute. Okay. So let's examine this for a second. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have a tough time as a vegan because I wouldn't be able to eat animals, but you would be out there killing animals with killing your bare them. fucking hands. I've, I could do that. Yeah. I could do that. I would quickly die because i don't know how to like prep the animals to be eaten they'd probably be very, very poisoned yeah i'd cook them really for longer than i had to i would say <laughs> i don't think anybody's surviving out there i just don't think i would be the first one to die is really where i would land on right 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 90 months is a long time and i know that that was a a, a typo that we've since run with yeah uh but 90 days is 90, 90 days is tough too. I don't think CJ is surviving 90 days with a hammer. No matter how well, high his shorts are. One, one more email, one more voicemail. The email writes rickysanchez at gmail.com. This comes from Dave. Hi, Spike, Mike, and Norman. Genuinely believing that it would be good for me, I've made a number of half-hearted attempts at meditation over the years. Although I've, although I've enjoyed them and I thought they were good for me, nothing stuck. Then, partially inspired by a friend's spiritual journey, I took up 478 breathing at the beginning of this year. It stuck and was having a really positive effect on my life. The same friend got a vasectomy in late June. Being a close friend, we had several phone and text-based conversations about after effects. They can apparently be pretty intense. Let's just say extensive swelling and discoloration in the genital scroticular area and leave it at that. Well, you didn't really just leave it at leave that. Leave it that, at what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave it at what? What have you left? Yeah. You may notice that this was also around the time that James Harden was opting in and then requesting a trade. Being native Philadelphia fans, we were also addressing the Harden situation in close conversational proximity to the post-vasectomy topic. One thing led to another, and I made a joke about his balls resembling James Harden's balls in their current state. Mm. Pretty funny stuff. Well, the joke's on me, because soon after that conversation, I burst out laughing on the 7th. 
which obviously completely disrupted the 478 process because I couldn't think of anything but James Harden's balls on my friend's body. It's impossible to hold your breath when you're thinking of that. It evolved but continued. I am no I no longer think of the hardened friend ball combination, but I'm still unable to meditate because I'm unable to not laugh, usually because I'm thinking, boy, wouldn't it be horrible but funny if I laughed? Part of me thinks this is its own type of spiritual healing, forced laughter on demand, but mostly I'm just really regretful that I can't do my regular meditation, which had really been helping me for the first time. No real question, but if you have advice, I'd take it. Basketball, I don't. <laughs> I'm so I'm so fucking funny that I can't even meditate anymore because this idea I came up with. Get out of here. <laughs> One guy's balls on another person. That's the funniest thing anyone's ever thought of. Hands down. Meditation oh. is dead because I thought of this joke. <laughs> what's the different what's balls? The, the guy's guy? Harden's bigger than my friend, and my friend's white. Harden's black. Can you imagine that? Imagine this guy's other balls. They're not even the same color. <laughs> Basketball question is, aren't we all sleeping on the slimmish but real possibility that Paul Reed is a difference maker on the court? Maxi ascends another level. Basketball Paul brings a different level of activity we simply haven't had and hits threes. The stink of Harden is replaced by a few solid role players. A bottom five coach replaced by a top five coach. Isn't there a good chance the worst case in Harden trade transpires and we're better than we've ever been? No. Yeah, seems unlikely. Seems no. unlikely. No, you're going to need to do better than like middling role players. Yeah, um, probably. It's so fun. The b-ball Paul uh, consensus <laughs> is truly all over the place. There is, yeah. you either really go so far, and I've done this with players, like if other people like this player, even if I like him just okay, if other people are so high on him, and I'll way. just go, I'll just be like, well, like they can't be that because you're wrong. Like it's, right. it is not the case and it'll back me further into the other direction. And the pro people, Paul people is like, yes, like he is a delight. We love him. I'm glad that they matched. I do think that there is a chance that he could be effective in spurts as a four in, uh, in offenses in lamps with Embiid there. And could be helpful. And I would like to see him take more cash and shoot threes because he did shoot over 40% in the G League. But he's not going to become an all-star. A difference he's, maker. he's basketball Paul. Um, it's like... It's gotten so out of control that we're not high enough on people. No, 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 no. He's going to be yeah. great. I mean, he's great. I'm, I think he is absolutely one of the like eight best players on this team. Seven or eight best players on this team. But that doesn't mean that we can all of a sudden count on that being a difference maker. It's very helpful and it's very necessary in the playoffs to have an actual backup center that can play defense and hold up and do some offensive things. And I hope he keeps getting better at those things. Uh, but, but no, let's temper it. Let's temper it a little bit. And finally, 833 Lickface. Hey, Spike Mike and God Emperor Daryl Mori. Uh, sorry to be the millionth caller calling about this. Philadelphia athlete that we're all worried about, but Marcus Mariota, uh, he doesn't look good. He's overthrowing everybody. Uh, is Tanner McKee this kid? Is he legit? Should Howie have traded for Trey Lance? Should Howie trade for Nick Foles? Love to hear your thoughts. And another question, I saw a video about a fantasy football punishment where the loser of the league 
has to go a year without shaving their pubes, and then at the set subsequent draft, shaves all their pubes and puts it into a glass pube pube that the loser has to have in their house for the fantasy year. Would you consider doing this fantasy punishment? And what's the worst fantasy football punishment you've ever had to do? Thanks. I I don't wow. like this punishment. I don't think it's very good. Um, and I think odds are it's for adults that are you have to get 12 consenting or whatever consenting adults to be like yeah yeah you can check if i have or not yeah uh, well and and like what are you gonna go over their house looking to see if the pube glass is in there that's yeah. fucking insane man pretty no. i think it's i think it's relatively bizarre well it's very bizarre i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna upgrade relatively to very um and not necessarily a good punishment. I've never been in a league that has uh, a fantasy football punishment. And I regret that a little bit. I think it is fun to have to do it, but I don't think this is, this would be the one that I would, that I would choose. Never liked fantasy football was only in one league one time, maybe twice. There was no punishment. Didn't like like, it. I like it very much. I really, I really enjoy myself very much. So I am in the, uh currently in the championship of my WNBA fantasy league uh which if you remember spike i won that last year and then i won the gons league execs mm, right uh nba and so if i win crown. this then i could have three straight basketball championships to my name in addition to the basketball championship i won as a coach so this is really everybody's doing good except for the sixers in my life everybody but the sixers i think they have no choice but to add me to the 15 person staff under Nick nurse, uh, because at this point it can't hurt. Maybe I'm the magic touch. Well, if you win, if you win that fantasy basketball, triple crown, it means you have to shave your pubes and bring it to the Island and live off the pubes. Okay. Good. (laughs) And as far as backup quarterback, I always endorse signing Nick Foles forever until I die. Yes. Sign Nick Foles, make him the backup quarterback. Because the true test of Jalen Hurts' medal is can you be the quarterback if Nick Foles is in the, uh, your backup quarterback, knowing that even if you have five bad minutes, everybody is going to want Nick Foles to play. Yeah. It's, it's a test. He's a good locker room guy. He played the best game I've ever seen. Yeah. I will always believe in him as long as he's playing for the Eagles. Yes, they should always sign Nick Foles. And, Couldn't disagree more. Mm. I think it would be organizational malpractice to do that to Jalen Hurts, to bring in Foles onto the team. Saying Hurts is a coward? Is that and allow saying? him to like, allow that to be, uh, even in any fan base's mind. Uh, there's nothing stopping you from if Jalen goes down, then signing Nick Foles to compete in the locker, you know, whatever it is, if he's staying ready or something. But I, I would not, I would not do that. I would not, uh, I would not mess with. I don't think Jalen is like. He feels he seems like a very strong-willed and uh, stable, balanced person in that regard. But I wouldn't. Foles is your backup. Yeah, I would just wouldn't. I wouldn't touch it. I would not. I would not touch it. But Mariota's Wentz ain't a bummer, even in man. the league anymore, man. <laughs> yeah, Mariota's a bummer, man. He was he was really yeah. good, and or at least could have been really good. And then like the, he has like nerve damage in his arm. Yeah, that like makes him unable to throw. Like 
I think he's probably not good anymore, which is a bummer. He was really bad in Atlanta last year. Tanner McKee seems interesting. But if Jalen goes down there, they're, they're fucked. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where there's 17 games now and the Eagles, it seems like for a long time have always had such a, not always, but for a long time seems to seem to have had a very good backup quarterback situation. Mm -hmm. You know, even when Josh McCown was in there, like look pretty good. Like Mm -hmm. they always had somebody. So, but it does not, that person does not look like it's Mariota. And Yeah, if Hertz goes down for a significant portion of time, they're in trouble. But I think the bigger question is, if he were to go down for like three games, could they get through it? And with the way Mariota looked, I would not be super confident with that. But I'm not, I'm also not super confident that Mariota might come in, might be the only other active quarterback and might come into the game if Hertz got hurt. But I'm not super confident that Mariota would play the next game. So, yeah, that's it. I'm 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 excited for the Eagles, man. I'm excited for football in general. Uh, the Eagles, but excited for football. Um, it was being around. Uh, well, I talked about this. Being around uh, Kelsey and Mylotta and all that shit was last weekend was cool. Um, made me made me more excited. I'm never in. I'm like I'm rarely in Philly anymore. So the the um, the vibe and the juice. I don't. I never feel anymore. So it was neat to feel it. It's cool, but, man. Kel- with like Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletch, Lane Johnson still there. All those guys, they've been around a long time. You don't get that kind of continuity in really any sport for so many, so many guys, but especially football. Like, it just, this can be fun. I, I, they, well, how many years idea... has Brandon Graham played? Like 14, 15 years at this point? Like, I'm, I'm trying to think. He was he was on the team when I was... I think it's 14, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking wild, man, to play, play football that long. It's a lot. It's fucking crazy, lot, man. man. All, not... of them, all of them, big time. Yeah. Legend. I, 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 I'm not, like, as publicly online about the... Eagles, obviously we talk about the Sixers and I probably talk about the Phillies a little bit more, but like the people that are voting like the Niners to be, you know, ranking them above the Eagles this year, I, I think is a total, is a total joke. Like why? Maybe it's like, oh, we can't, we don't want to pick like Eagles Chiefs again because that's an easy one. But like, there's so, there's just no way. Like they got absolutely stomped on and Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. Like he's not going to be, he's going to lose a game this year. Like the idea that he, he, they're going to be fine. They're probably going to be like, you know, well, they're really good last like year. That. They're good. Yeah, they're a good team. Yeah, but like good every the idea that the Eagles got worse, maybe health wise or something. But like they're just, it's just I think going like, well, I'm going to go the other way and pick that the Niners are actually better. But they're just fucking not, dude. They're fucking not. And Jalen's the man, and he's just like so far and away better. It really does feel like I'm because I'm not that I don't if people did about the Sixers then I would get mad about it. But I, I don't usually get mad about when people talk about the Eagles. The idea that they seemingly like give no credit to anyone on the Eagles for success. They go like, well, Jalen could do that with anybody. And then he's just like doing the system. But they're not like Sirianni is a great coach. They're just like, well, the system or like the, all the players or whatever it is. It's just like maybe it's just like a good organization pretty much top to bottom and like filled with a really good quarterback and a coach that knows how to deploy him. And a bunch of like, like high level personnel folks. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know who's not getting credit. I think everybody always says people, they have like people, the best roster in the NFL. But people don't give Jalen credit, and they don't give Sirianni credit for but being Jay- like some of Jalen the best. Hurts was the runner up of the MVP. I last know, but year. they're still not. He, would, I think somebody ranked him behind Matt Stafford. Like the Ringers guy ranked ranked him behind Matt Stafford and like the best quarterbacks in the league. He was like tenth. It's ridiculous. Mm. I'm deciding to get mad. <laughs> 
I'm deciding to be happy. You're, you're doing the, put on your dog mask. It's you're under dog. Do you have a dog mask somewhere? Yeah, I'll put it. I'll grab it. I'll grab okay. it for the, for, right. for the Eagles. One second. I think, you know, it is, I guess it's certainly possible that the 49ers, that if Brock Purdy is actually good, that the 49ers could be better than the Eagles. But I do think it is weird to, there we go. <laughs> I think that's all we need to do. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> if you don't fuck with me, then I, then I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. With you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing.